0: Uh, so glad that you are all here. Once again, want to welcome those that are with us online. We are so glad that you are a part of things this morning. And uh, man, I am so jacked up this morning because I get to kick off a series that I am very excited about. As we kick off our series, I Am. And uh, we're going to be talking about, over the next seven weeks, we're going to be dealing with the topic of Identity identity. And I believe that this is a series, honestly, that could transform your life and could change your life. And so I'm very excited as we dig into this. So what I want you to do first, before we even get into the message, I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick. Turn to the person next to you. I want you to tell them something that's important to you that you often forget or you lose. Something you forget, something you lose. Turn to your neighbor, talk to them. All right, all right, all right, all right, that's good, that's good, how many of you, uh, some of you probably said your password, password, anybody lose your password, you forget your password sometimes, I feel like I'm always asking them for the reminder email of what my password is, uh, for those things, how many of you said your phone, you lose your phone on a regular, basis? some of you, didn't. there you go, okay, we get that, all right, how many of you lose your keys, any of you lose your keys, some of you lose your keys on a regular basis, and when you lose the thing that you really need, right, you have that moment of just like panic, that moment of like, oh, no, I got to get somewhere. There's a little mini crisis in my life right now because I don't have what I need. But when I think about our world and the way that we live right now, I feel like we're living from crisis to crisis right now, doesn't it? It just feels like that's the world we live in, you know. We got the little crisis, right? You got your little crisis where, you, you know, you, you lose your keys, you lose your phone, you lose all those kind of things. You have a bad hair day, whatever the crisis is. And then we have like a little bit bigger crisis, don't we? We have your financial crisis, or you got a physical crisis, you got a relationship crisis, you're having your own mental health crisis. We have these kind of crises that happen. And then we got the big stuff, right, like the past two years, <laughs> like all the crises that have been happening, you know, and then we got other crises, you have things like military crises that happen around the world, we have humanitarian crises that happen all around the world, and, but then there's like the worst crisis of all, right? The worst crisis of all is this, the midlife crisis, all right? <laughs> The midlife crisis. Okay, and just a, just an FYI, if this is your chest hair, like button up. Okay, we don't we don't want to see that, right? No, that's not really the biggest. What I would say the biggest crisis, the most widespread crisis that we have in our world is this: it's an identity crisis. We have an identity crisis. We wrestle with the question, "Who am I?" Now, some of us, we know we're wrestling that question. You understand that when you think about your life. You you know that's something I'm wrestling with. I'm not really sure who I am trying to figure that out. Maybe when you're young, you're trying to figure that out. There's other of us, if we're honest, we're ignorant of the fact that that is actually what's at play in our life. We don't realize that we're constantly trying to discover who we are with our behavior out here, right? We don't recognize it. And then for others of us, we think we know who we are, but the problem is we have found our identity in the wrong thing. We found it in something that's actually destructive for our life. We don't even know it. And right now it feels stable, but what you don't understand is that you are standing on very, very scary ground. And so this morning we're gonna get into this concept. And throughout this series, we're gonna deal with this idea of identity. And I wanna say right from the get go, I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I am not a psychologist. I'm not going to talk to you from that direction. What am I? I'm a pastor. So what are we going to do? We're going to go to scripture and say, what does God have to say about this? That's all I can do. I'm going to lead us to God's word and we'll say, God, would you speak to us? Would you speak to our hearts? And I would say this. you know, I went the first 28 years of my life kind of ignorant of the things we're going to deal with. And when I began to wrestle with some of these ideas, it began to totally transform the way I thought and the way I saw the world. And so I believe genuinely that this series could transform your life. Not because I'm such a good preacher, I'm not, okay, but because of the truths that we're getting at, I'm praying that these truths would dig deeply into your heart and they would produce something life-giving for you. I believe it's what God's intention is for you, all right? So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis Chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. And would you, uh, would you stand with me across the room as we read a primary text? If this is your first time, just know this is our tradition. There's nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do to say, God, we value your word. We honor your word far above my words. Okay? Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say I believe you want to speak to us, and Lord, so right now, we do everything we can in the, in the flesh to open our ears and open our hearts to you, but God, I pray that you would do something supernaturally in the spirit world to, to take the scales off our eyes that we might be able to see more clearly and see as you intended us to. Pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So if I were to ask you a very simple question, who are you? Who are you? What would you say? How would you answer the question, who are you? Think about it. for your mind. Okay. If I were to say it, like for a lot of you, you would answer, like I would say, I am Greg. You know, you would give your name, right? For others of you, you might say, well, I, I am, you'd give your role. Like for me, I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a, I'm a father. These are some roles that I play. For others of you, you would say, oh, maybe it's more like, like your job. Like, for me, I am a pastor. Or you would talk about a skill, like I'm okay at talking. Or you would talk about your personality, whatever defines who you are. You would say, that's who I am. But the reality and none of those are really the essence of who you are. See, there's an important tr- truth that I think we need to grasp. And it says that there is a connection, but we need to understand this. Who you are is not necessarily what you do. Okay. Who you are, there's a connection there, but it isn't the same thing. Neil Anderson writes about this in his book, Victory Over Darkness. And just so you know, some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks comes from that book. So if you're a reader, I would encourage you uh, to read that book. I find it very helpful in your faith. But he asked this question in his book, Victory Over Darkness. He says this, is who you are determined by what you do or is what you do determined by who you are? I know for some of you, that's like, what is going on? That's a, that's a lot to take in, Greg, okay? Who you are determined by what you do, or is what you do determined by who you are? Now, hear this. If it's the first thing, if who you are is determined by what you do, then your behavior is constantly changing your identity. From day to day, how you behave is actually becomes who you are in that moment. So you're like a shapeshifter. You're going all the time. Day to day, you never know who you are, because it's all dependent on how you behave in that day, and it is very scary when it comes to your faith. Right? What do I mean? If it's this first part, then what I'm gonna do is in, in my faith is I'm gonna constantly try to attain the right spiritual identity. That's what I'm doing. I'm constantly trying to behave in a way so I can attain this spiritual identity. Rather than my behavior flowing from my identity, no, I'm trying to attain an identity. And here's why that can become destructive. Some of you will relate to this because you have a really good week, right? You go to church. You say nice things to your spouse, you're really good, you prayed some, you read your Bible some this week, you've had a really, really good week. And so you think to yourself, I'm doing pretty good, like I I feel confident in my spiritual identity. But the problem comes when you have a bad week. And suddenly you're like, I didn't go to church this week, I didn't spend time praying, and I don't really feel like a good Christian, and now I'm beginning to question my spiritual identity. And it goes an even step further than that, because I know some of you have asked me this question before, and you're, it, it gets to this point where you're suddenly like, I'm having a bad week, now not only am I questioning my spiritual identity, I'm questioning my very own salvation, all because I had a bad week. It's this problem, it's, we begin looking in the wrong direction. But I believe scripture clearly teaches that the second half of this statement is true. And it's this. What we do should flow from who we are. What we do should flow from who we are. And as we understand who we are in God, it will set us free to be who God created us to be. See, the gospel, a lot of times we think about the gospel, the good news. And we think, oh, the gospel is I get saved to go to heaven someday. That's part of it. But that's not all of it. The gospel is the good news of what God has done for you on your behalf, what he has invited you into, what he has given you, right? Salvation, you don't earn your salvation, it is received through Christ. And along with that, there are so many things that God has given us. And what we have to recognize is, man, I can live from what God has given me as opposed to try and attain something all on my own. And that's what we're going to dig into In this series, but in order, next week, next week, we're going to begin the process of discovering what does this identity really look? Weeks two through seven, I'm so excited this morning. I was already kind of getting jacked up during prayer talking about some of the things we're going to talk about next week. So make sure you don't miss out on next week. Uh, But this morning, what I want to be able to do is I want to step back even before we dive into this thing and begin to say, okay, what is the problem here? What is the issue, the fundamental issue? Because we can't step into the good things till we recognize what's taking us the wrong direction. And so we're going to dig in that this morning. And so we go all the way back. We go to the Genesis story. You're familiar with the Genesis story, right? In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And he creates all the good things that we all love. He creates the sun. He creates the moon. He creates the stars. He creates, you know, the vegetables. And he he creates Chick-fil-A. He creates all the things that we love. And it's a beautiful time. And it says we get to the end of the creation week, and you get it toward the end of chapter 1. It says God creates mankind in his image, right? Creates mankind in his image. And here's what I think we need to recognize. Before we even get next week into our, our identity in Christ, which is so, so good, we need to recognize our fundamental identity. And it is this. Our fundamental identity is that you are God's creation. You are God's creation You are valuable, you have worth, and it is because he has assigned it to you. Not because you're so amazing, but because he is so good. You've heard me say that before, right? Like, that is your fundamental identity. It is who you are. And here's the beautiful thing. That identity is true of everyone. Not just, you don't have to respond to God to recognize and have that identity about you. Right? All of us in this, we have the same fundamental identity. But so do the people outside of these walls that don't love Jesus. They have the same identity. They have inherent value and worth. Why? Because they were created in the image of God. And what we recognize is that that because of this, it has to change the way we relate to one another, doesn't it? It has to. There's no other choice. Why do we as a church, we say, man, we, we fight for life even in the womb. Why? Because they are created in the image of God, and we have to do everything we can to guard because there is inherent value there. Why do we care about a person on the other side of the planet that can do absolutely nothing for us? Why? Because they are created in the image of God, and they have inherent value, not because they're so good, but because God has given that to them. We recognize this. Think about historic Christianity. Think the first couple of centuries in the Roman Empire, what took place? If you had a baby, sometimes they didn't want the baby that they have. Because they had such a low view of life, some of them, they'd just take the baby and leave it outside until it would die. You know what would happen? The Christians, because they had this view, right, that all life has value, they would walk around and they would take those babies, and they started some of the first orphanages were that. It was Christians simply rescuing babies who were left to die. Why? Because the Christians recognized, you know what, that, that baby can do nothing for us, but they have eternal value. They have an identity that's been given by God, and therefore, we must do something for them, right? See, this is what we have to do. We can't treat, we don't have the option to treat other people poorly. It should change. This fundamental identity that we all share has to transform the way that we relate to one another, okay? There's a, I was talking to a missionary uh, just this last week, and uh, he was telling me stories. He serves in the area of, like, Burma and, uh, and uh, Thailand, and if you're not familiar in that area, they have uh, a huge issue uh, with, you know, sex industry and uh, just sex trafficking and people just being sold into brothels and things like that. And one of the, the most disgusting realities is the fact that very often, because of their, their view of different people and your standing, whatever, that oftentimes parents will sell their own daughters to a brothel. And he was giving me the statistics where some of these, some of these women might service up to 10,000 men in a year. And the numbers are staggering, okay? But the, the thought, like, how could you possibly sell your daughter? Well, if you don't view them to be made in the image of God, it doesn't really matter. They're just garbage. You would just toss them to the side. And what was crazy to me is he, he's, uh, he said he was talking to somebody recently who was like, I love the work that you're doing rescuing these girls and, and leading them, all these kind of things. I love that you're saving them. But I don't like the Christian thing. You shouldn't be doing all the Christian stuff, you know? Don't do that, right? You're messing up their natural, you know, their religions and all these kind of things. And he's like, you tell me something that works better than Christianity at rescuing girls. Why? Because if you come to faith, you don't have another option but to love and value girls and to care for them. And it changes the way they behave. It changes their mindset because they see the inherent value that every single person has. And this is what we have to recognize, this fundamental identity that we all have. Young person, you may not think you have value. You need to understand God of heaven cares about you. He created you with value that isn't dependent on you. It's dependent on his goodness poured into you, okay? And you have that value in your life. So, so we continue with the, with the kind of the story that goes on, and, and God gives this identity, he gives purpose to all mankind, and he establishes this relationship between him and his creation, doesn't he? He establishes, and the goal is that he would be the source, and we would find all things under him, right? We would be in submission to him, we would be his hands and feet here in this world, helping oversee this world, but in submission to his authority, that he would be the one that gives us everything that we need. It's very much like a father and a child type of relationship. It's like my kids. Okay, My kids, they see me as their source, right? If they want anything, <laughs> they come to me, right? Like me and Amber, they're, they're all constantly asking us for stuff. And they think that we've got everything. They think we got all the money in the world. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, my, my son's like, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, uh, you're loaded. <laughs> I'm like, what makes you think that, son? <laughs> He's like, you got like a $1,000. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I do, son. I am loaded. You're right. <laughs> I am filthy rich. But, <laughs> but they have this view, and they, what they think, I got everything. If they need anything, they know they just come to me, and I, and I come take care of it. Me and mom, will buy them what they need, you know, right? They just think, just go to the store and buy another one, dad. Not a big deal. And that's great. I love it. I love that they come to us. But that's the same relationship that God intended with us to him. That we would be looking to him to find our source, not just for the stuff, but even when it comes to the core ideas that we're talking about in here, this idea of who am I? Are we going to him to find the answer? And I would say for many of us, we've never once gone to him to find out what that answer is, right? So we go on in the story and we turn to page 2 of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, and what happens? It says that the enemy comes in, the serpent, right? And he becomes to speak these things. And here's what I love about the story. The first thing the enemy did wasn't to try and get them to do something bad. That wasn't the first thing he did. The first thing he did was to get them to question God, to get them to question their source. The enemy said, God's holding out on you. Did he really say that? Does he really have your best interests in mind? And hear this, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is doing the same thing in our lives. He, he wants you to question, is God really good? See, we oftentimes, we think all the fun stuff, all the good stuff, all the things we really want, all that stuff is outside of God. Like, if I want to have the fun, I got to go out there. The enemy got you in that moment, right? Because the good stuff is under his plan. When we serve him in the way he designed, this is his creation are we receiving from him or trying to do things our own way and so when it comes to issues of identity uh, when it comes to identity the enemy doesn't want you to stand firm in your God given identity he wants you to find an identity somewhere else he wants you to rather than receive the identity from God he wants you to go try and figure it out on your own and every one of us need to, to get a hold of this truth and it's this if you can find your identity you can also lose it if you can find, I'm out there, I'm finding myself. I'm out finding myself right now. Finding my identity, right? If you can find it, you can also lose it. All you got to do is look at an athlete to figure that out. Remember that, that guy who was really good at sports back in, uh, back in high school? A kid in your school, right? Right? But he wasn't good enough to play in college. And then you see him 10 years later, and what's he talking about? Oh, the big game back in high school, right? Like, dude, you got to get over that game. <laughs> that was a long time ago. You are not that cool anymore, Right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what can happen. We, we get in these places where, like, we've, we found our identity in something out here, and then we lose it. And then we, don't, we don't know what to do. We no longer have firm ground to stand on. And, and this is the challenge that for many of us, we are living for some identity rather than living from an identity that has been given to us by God. We're pursuing this identity, this idea, trying to find it out here, putting it in unstable places. So, what I've done here this morning is I, I've I put together a list, and, and I've been praying this week that, that God would help speak some of these things to our lives. That we would recognize some of the areas in our life where maybe we've been trying to find our identity, right? We're trying to find it, trying to find our identity, those things, but it's actually taking us the wrong direction. And so, uh, so I would encourage you, as I go through this list, it's going to be very easy to say, Oh, I know that I don't find myself in that. I know that every one of us battle these things. My guess is, For some of you, you might say, I got all of them. (laughs) Like, I struggle in every one of those areas. It's okay. But let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us that we would be able to find our identity in the right place. And so what I want to do is I want to go through a list of things, places where oftentimes we can try to find our identity. The first thing is this, stuff. Try to find our identity in our stuff. If you're not happy, you don't feel fulfilled, buy something, okay? Some of you do that in your life, like you had a rough week, you feel a rough week, you feel inadequate in some way. Rather than going to your source to discover your your meaning, go buy something, make yourself feel better, right? Medicate yourself, okay? And some of us, we, we find our identity in stuff. Maybe you're the car guy. And everybody's like, he's always got the best car. His car always looks good, all this kind of thing. And that's you, right? Or maybe you're the boat guy. I got the boat, or I got the house, or I got the clothes. And I always look really good. And everybody always talks about me. And that becomes who I am, who I see myself to be. And if I'm feeling weak, I just got to go buy more of those things because it makes me feel better, right? We have to be very, very careful. You know, we get into a very dangerous position because you know that when you buy something, it ain't lasting that long, you know? You buy that car, it rusts out. You buy that house, suddenly it's creaky. Right? Those things don't last. And when we try to find, we would never say, oh, I don't find my identity in that. But do you? Do you find your value in those things? Do you find your worth in those things? Because when we don't, we put ourselves, when we do, we put ourselves in a very unhealthy position, a very dangerous position, okay? So we've got our stuff. The second thing, sometimes we find our identity in our image, in our appearance, right? How do I look? And how do people perceive me? That's my identity, you know, for some of you, you're like I'm. I'm the person who's got my stuff together, right? Everybody looks at me. I, I'm out there. I got the. I'm. I've got the job. I got the money. I got the stuff. I got all those things out there. I got this image. When in reality, when you go home, you're a jerk. You're a drunk, and nobody in your house likes you. But you got to keep this image out here, right? Because that's your identity. You're. You're finding out here. You're a very unstable ground at that point. We find our image sometimes in our appearance, the, just the way that we look. We think, oh, man, I look good. I got to work out. I got to do these things. We can, we can have issues on both sides. You can be not in shape and have issues with this, and you can be in really good shape and have issues with this, right? My image. How do I view myself? What's my identity, right? Listen, wh- listen someday you're going to be old and wrinkly. doesn't matter how much Botox you shoot in that face. One day you're going to be, uh, you know, is this going to happen? All right, so, so if you find your identity in that, you're going to have problems sometimes. It's going to catch up with you at some point. All right? And so we've got to recognize this reality. okay? But sometimes it's not just the image and appearance of the, the rough things. Sometimes it can be really good things. There's some of you, and I know some of you, you're the person who is the helper. That's who you are. That's, that's your view, how people view you. You're the help. You always are the first person to say, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll jump in. I'll help. I'll do whatever I can, right? But what's the problem? Is it sometimes you get frustrated, you don't wanna help. You don't wanna do that, but you've got the image, you're the helper, you're the yes person, you always say yes, so you always say yes, you always say yes, and you're bitter, and you're cranky, and you're angry inside, and you're frustrated, you don't like what's going on, but you can't say no, because that's who I am, I'm the helper, this is all I can do, this is all I know, and you put yourself in a dangerous position, and very toxic, because you're finding your identity in the wrong thing, okay? My hope is to step on everybody's toes this morning with this one, okay? Your image, your appearance, all right, so for others of us, we find our identity in our assignment or our roles. I see this happen sometimes with pastors, okay, so I'm a pastor, and you know, pastors, not everybody likes pastors, but for the most part, people treat us nice, they honor us generally speaking, okay? And so what happens is a pastor, if you're you're serving this, and I've seen this happen to older guys, you know, they've been serving their whole life, and they've always been this honorable position, and everybody treats them all nice in these kind of things. And then what also happens, you may not realize this, but as a lead pastor, people assume that I have control of all the finances here, right? In reality, I have a board here. We work on the finances together. I don't say yes to anything on my own. I want to have integrity that way, and we operate together. But people assume that I do, so guess who comes talking to me all the time? I get missionaries, I get organizations, I get everybody coming, and they start buttering me up. Why? Because they need some money. And I don't fault them for that. That's part of the role that you got to do. But I got all these people calling me, and what would be really easy to think is like, man, these people like me. I'm so nice. I'm so lovable. Everybody likes me. And I've seen pastors be deceived into this, and suddenly their identity in their assignment becomes so important. And then what happens? They retire, and suddenly nobody's calling them anymore. Like, You ain't got any money. I don't really want to call you anymore. You suddenly realize, I don't have as many friends as I thought I had. But what? You found your identity in something else. And it's destructive. You've seen this happen to men before. Us men, one of the things, the way God has wired us is that we find a lot of our worth in what we do. Like, that's part of it. Like, we we love to accomplish things. It's great, okay? God's wired us that way. But here's the problem. If you find your identity in your job and in your career and then you get fired, you're in trouble. And I've seen it happen. I've seen guys spiral into depression. Why? Because their identity was in their role, in their assignment, right? This external thing, rather than in who they are, rather than receiving who God says they are and the worth, they have put it in something else and they spiral out of control. See, we have to recognize this. The same thing can happen for some of us. Maybe you're a uh, stay at home mom or a stay at home dad, right? And, And you spend all your time with the kids and you're invested in all the kids and you're doing all this stuff, whatever. And then suddenly all the kids go to school or suddenly all the kids leave the home and you're like, who am I? Like, I found my identity in my role as a mother or a father, and I don't really know who I am anymore. See, this is, this is a challenging thing for us because we oftentimes find it in the wrong place. Very similar to this role, it can, can be others. We find our, our identity in others, in relationships. Maybe you've got that relationship, you know, you've got that boyfriend, that girlfriend, you're right, and everything is all about that, and you found yourself in that, and then the, the relationship ends, and you're just like, I don't know what to do anymore. I, nobody loves me. I'm, I'm lost, right? Why? Because you were finding yourself worth in every value in that relationship, rather than finding it in God. And so you put yourself in a very dangerous position. This can happen to some of you. Some of you have experienced this. You got a divorce, and you really question your worth afterwards, because your worth was coming from that person rather than coming from God. And as much as I would, I would love, I wish that that divorce didn't happen to you. I do. Here's what you need to understand: people will fail you. They just will. And if we want to have a firm identity, then we can't put it in something that is temporary, okay? We go on here. Sometimes we find our identity in feelings, in our feelings. And this is one I want to say. Remember, remember, I'm not the therapist. I'm not the counselor. I'm not the psychologist on this one, okay? But here's what I know about feelings. Feelings are fickle. They just are. And when we ground our identity in what we feel we are in very, very dangerous territory. And I would say that in our world, there are many ideas out there, particularly around sexuality, that, that very much have had this mindset that says feelings is what our identity is. And I would just say that's never a good idea to base your, who, your identity and who you are simply on how you feel. Because I know me, and tomorrow I'm going to feel different than I feel today. And if I'm grounding my identity in how I feel and what I think, then I'm in trouble. That is not firm ground to stand on. All right? We go on. This one, you have to understand my heart on this one, okay? Some of us find, hi. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Awesome. We'll see you later. (laughs) Bye, Daddy. (laughs) Love you, Nick. Some of us find our identity in our pain and in our suffering. Okay, what do I mean by this? Hear me very clearly, okay? I'm sorry, because some of you have experienced really, really bad pain and suffering in your life. Maybe it was trauma when you were a kid. Maybe you've been abused physically, sexually, emotionally. Maybe you've, you've had, you know, just hurt in your life you've had horrible trauma in your life from other circumstances maybe you've you know you've got some sickness or disease that's just ongoing in your life i don't know what it is you've lost a loved one that's been painful in your life whatever i'm sorry you've dealt with that but if we're not careful hear me if we're not careful we can allow that pain and suffering to become our identity and rather than that being something that happened in our past we allow that to be the thing that owns us and controls us i'll give you an example i met there was a woman i knew years ago and the first time I met her, you know, when you bump into people, you know what's inside pretty quickly. And I bumped into this lady, and immediately she starts talking about this thing that had happened a few years ago and how angry she was, and hurt she was, and she was done wrong, and this, all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is horrible, all this kind of thing. But I knew her for like 10 to 12 years. And every time I saw her, guess what we talked about? Same thing. Because she never, she never saw that as a thing to overcome. That became her identity. The pain became the identity. And listen, that's something we have to be careful. Are, am I saying, oh, just get over it"? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is don't allow your trauma and your pain and your suffering to become who you are. It isn't. It will hold you back from everything God has for you. Listen, I have Crohn's disease, but that does not define who I am, okay? And some of you, you have diseases, you have sicknesses, you have pain in the past, but don't allow that to become your identity because it will hold you back from what God wants for you, all right? Right? We have to be very, very careful, okay? The last one I, I want to say is very similar to that. and It says sometimes we find our identity in labels, in a label. Sometimes that's a good thing. You, you got some nice label that's been put on your life, but I would guess there's some of you here, you were given a label by somebody when you were a kid, through your teenage years. They called you something. They thought of you a certain way. And you might not think about it out loud all the time, but you're still living like it. Right? Somebody said you were worthless. Nobody cares about you. And so you live that way. You take that on. I'm worthless. Whatever it is, whatever's been spoken over your life, you take those labels. And listen, it might be good. Like, hey, you're gonna be successful. That's the label you're giving. You're like, that's a good one. I'm gonna be successful. The problem is you're walking around saying, I'm successful, I'm successful. And guess what happens if you don't become successful? You're like, oh shoot, (laughs) who am I? Right? See, we have to be careful about what we find our identity in. Okay? And so I want to ask you this question, very simple, is like, what is your identity grounded in? When I t- look at this list, we're, like I told you, I, I follow Jesus, right, and I try to find my identity in him, but trust me, there's still plenty of times I'm looking in these places to find my identity, right? I look in the wrong place. So what is it for you? Where do you have a tendency to lean, to try and find that value, that worth, to know who you are? Where do you look on a regular basis? Are you actually trying to find an identity, or are you receiving the identity God has given? Have you opened your life to say, God, what do you have to say? God, I want to believe and trust in what you say about me, not what I say about myself. So I want to get to our big so what. We always say this every week. We have a big so what. So what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else I shared this morning, the big so what is this. Don't be a hopper. okay? Don't be a hopper. Is that pretty clear? All right, let's pray. No. How many of you know what this is? <laughs> you've seen the movie. This looks like a fork, but according to, you know, the seagull scuttle in the movie The Little Mermaid from back in the 90s, this is a hopper, correct? And what do you do with a hopper? You comb your hair. That's exactly what you use a hopper for, right? See, so if you've watched the movie, you understand that, right? He's a, he's a dumb seagull. He doesn't know. He just, he's just finding stuff. And then making up excuses, they make up names for it. He makes up what the thing does, why just doing the best he can with what he's got. But I think this is how most of us spend our lives. We just trying to figure it out ourselves. Ah, I'm a dingle hopper, right? Don't be a dingle hopper, okay? Don't just simply try to look around you and say, okay, what is everybody else saying that I am? Those things. No. What you should do is you should go to the creator and say, what what is this thing? What's the purpose? What's the value of this thing, right? And I think that's the call for us as followers of Christ. I told you next week, we're gonna dig into this whole identity in Christ. You do not wanna miss next week's message, okay? Critical, critical for us. But today, the starting point is just a posture. What is your posture? Is your posture to say, God, I'm gonna figure this out I will pursue and just try and fulfill myself, or is your posture saying, God, I'm not really sure who you say I am because if I'm I'm honest, I've never actually asked that question before. I've never pursued in your word to say, What do you say about me? And God, I want to begin to pursue you, to say, to open my heart to say, God. Would you help me to, to find my identity in you, to place my identity in something that is firm, to receive what you say about me, not what others people say about me, not what I think about myself. God, what do you say about me? That is the only thing that will endure. That is the only firm ground that we can stand on. But it starts with a posture of humility. Say, God, I don't know. And it starts with a posture of repentance to say, God, would you shine a light on me? Maybe I don't even know today. I'm not even sure where I'm finding my identity, but God, would you begin to show me, would you begin to open my eyes? Would you, Like I prayed earlier, would you take the scales off my eyes to see me as I really am, not how I think I am, but to see where am I really putting my hope? Like what am I really trusting in? Would you show me those things? And God, when you show me those things, would I have a repentant heart that says, God, I turn from that thing and instead I turn to you. And God, I'm looking to your word to say, what do you say about me? God, can I stand firmly on that? That's the only ground that will endure. Why do I say we have an identity crisis in our world? Because we have a bunch of people standing on shaky ground, bumping into each other, knocking each other off of their really crumbling ground, okay? And what, what the world desperately needs is men and women like you, followers of Christ, who are so fervently grounded in their identity and what God says about them that they don't shake like everybody else, they don't freak out like everybody else does, they're not unstable like everybody else does. Instead, they are standing firm and have peace in every circumstance. That's the kind of thing that's desirable. That's what we should look like, and that's what the, the world desperately desires. God, would you help us be those people, okay? So I wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you this morning. Would you stand with me across the room as we close here today? This is one of those things you're probably gonna to have to process through the week a little bit, and so... Uh, even as I pray right now, I invite you just to respond even in your own heart, uh, that you would respond to God. But I just want to pray a prayer over you guys. God, thank you so much. I thank you for the gospel. God, our hope is the gospel. Life is in the gospel. Our joy is in the gospel. It's the good news of what you have done and are doing in the world through Christ. And we are so grateful for that, Lord. God, we thank you that part of the gospel is that we are invited into something better. And God, I'm grateful for that, Lord. You don't look to, to reprimand and force us into a box. You look to invite us into the way that you intended. And God, you intended us to live out of an identity that you have given us and that can never be taken away. And instead, we're trying to suck identity out of every other corner of the world. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize the areas where we've gotten off. And, Father, that we would repent from those. God, we turn from those. In my own life, God, there's so many ways where I'm still trying to define it in a different way. God, I pray that I I would turn from those things and turn toward you, God. To look to you, to look to your word, to say, what do you say? It's really easy to sing, I am who you see I am. It's easy to sing it, God. God, I pray that we would live that way. That we would live recognizing who do you say we are, God, and we will live out of that, Father. Confident that, that, God, you are the one who never changes. So we trust in you, God. God, this week, take the scales off our eyes. Help us to see better, I pray. In every area of our life, every corner of our life, God, that this thing would be real, that there would be authenticity in the way we serve you. God, I don't want to just play church. God, I want to really worship you and live for you with my whole life. God, speak to us, we pray. God, may we have hearts to respond. pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen, amen. Amen, I want to give you a challenge before we go out the door this morning. This is one of those messages, you got to do something with this. You know, you can't just... Oh, great, Greg. What do I do with this thing? Okay, here's what I want you to do throughout the week. I want you to pay attention to where your identity is grounded, okay? So if you wake up in the morning and you pray, oh, God, this is who you say I am, and I'm going to live, and that's on your mind all day long, you're killing it. Way to go, okay? But my guess is a lot of us don't live that way. Most of us just go about our lives. And, and I, my challenge to you this week is as your week goes on, look where you're trying to find your worth. Look where you're trying. You know, like I said earlier, how do you try to medicate yourself? right? When, you, when you're feeling weak, when you feel alone, when you feel some of these things, where are you turning? Are you turning to an alcohol? Are you turning to a drug? Are you turning to a TV? Are you turning to buy some stuff? Are you turning to food? What are you turning to, right? Because I think as you begin to see those things, you're going to begin to recognize what are you really finding your identity in, and where do you need to be going back to Let's turn back to the source who brings life for every one of us. Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward at this time. There's some of you that came. You just need somebody to pray with you. You got physical need, a marriage struggle, and whatever it is, and you want somebody to pray with you. You've got a team that's been here since 8 o'clock this morning praying and interceding for you. We invite you to come. Allow them to minister to you. Everyone else, I just encourage you to be back here next Sunday as we continue in our series. And uh, those of you that are joining us for the fall sessions, we hope to see you there. Remember, you can stop and grab apparel on the way out the door. Uh, But we hope you have a great week. And my prayer is that we would begin to live free. From and not just live for this week. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.